0: Every woman needs a tribe. The first member of the tribe for a little girl is her mom. Hi, my name is Nkechi Agueno, and I started the What I Wish podcast to highlight the special relationship between a mom and her daughter. I invite other mothers to talk about their experiences as a girl mom and sometimes boy mom, and the lessons learned from their relationships with their own mothers and how that has translated into their relationships with their children. My guest and I also talk about other parts of us, like other relationships in our lives, being single, career development, and self-growth. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the conversations. We
1: got it now. (laughs) Yeah, I got
0: it. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you for joining us on another episode of What I Wish My Mother Taught Me. Today, we're highlighting speech, which is one of my favorite topics because it's in line with communication, which is another skill that I think every human being from birth needs to have. So I am so lucky to have Lenora Edwards with
1: us today. Lenora, could you please introduce yourself? Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. It's absolutely wonderful to be here. And I completely agree with you. Communication is so, so important. And we'll get into all that delicious wonderfulness. Um, So Like I said, my name is Lenora Edwards, and I am the chief knowledge officer with an online speech therapy company called Better Speech. And we provide online speech therapy services to people of all ages throughout the United States and internationally. We're over 150 speech language pathologists strong, which is really, really awesome. That's so great. We've been online since long before the pandemic ever had us. So we are very comfortable with Zoom. Wow. So how did that come about? Or how did you get connected with that? The the company actually developed out of necessity to be able to provide speech therapy services in an affordable and convenient and effective way. And to be able to reach so many people, because there are tons of people that aren't anywhere near an outpatient clinic or that aren't able to receive it in school. So we were able to harness technology in such a phenomenal way and use it to benefit so, so many people.
0: And how I, how do you um, reach schools? How do you reach
1: the kids? That's a great question. So when we provide online speech therapy services to families and, and people of all ages, so we see little ones and we also see adults. When it comes to school programs, we are able to, to network within the school program and actually work within schools with those teachers for... Uh, for basically schools that don't have a speech-language pathologist in the building because our field is, um, we're, we're very, very well known. There aren't enough of us to be in schools and to be in clinics all over the place. So the fact that we are able to use technology in this way Let's us be in more places and lets us provide more service and care to so many other people, especially within the school system.
0: So, how do you feel that um, providing speech therapy virtually and in person? How do they differ?
1: They they do differ just a yeah. smidge. Um, so, with all the speech language pathologists that work at Better Speech. We all have at least 10 years of experience. So we're not just fresh out of school. I've worked in the NICU. I've worked in the PICU, inpatient, outpatient units, skilled nursing facilities. The difference would be what, literally that physical, like when you give somebody a high five or like, oh, great job. And you're and you yeah. you're with the little one that you're working with and they want to give you a hug when they say goodbye. That would be the thing that really is missing. But we also find ways around that. So like a lot of the time we'll be like high five and I'll I'll yeah. literally bring my hand to the screen and we'll find other ways to celebrate. Like we'll get up and do a dance together and oh, you know, when to ensure that we have that physical connection as much as possible. Yeah. So it it lets us really be creative in a completely new way.
0: <laughs> I love that. So why did you decide to, um, become, uh, I don't want to Speech
1: use of you're yes. good. Don't worry. Some people call us a speech language pathologist. Some people okay. say speech therapist. Um, I usually use um, for little ones when they when they think that it's a it's a bad thing. I'm like, no, I'm your speech coach. You yeah. have a baseball coach. You have a soccer coach. Oh, I'm like your speech that. coach. Yeah. So um, how did I get into it? I actually first started in nursing, and I absolutely love the nursing field. The nurses are absolutely phenomenal. In medical staff and it just wasn't quite the the fit for me and, and what I was looking to do in my life. So when I was at university, I actually switched programs two years in and I went over to communication sciences and disorders and I absolutely loved it. Oh, wow. And then um, from there I went on to get my master's. So nice.
0: Pretty, pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that children are um, the greatest gift to the world. I think mm. that like they're just the best because of the purity of heart, you mm. know, and spirit that they that they um
1: they come with. A beautiful way and, of saying that.
0: Yeah. And then um I learned, are you a mom? mm Okay. So yeah. I have two kids. I have a 10 and then I have a seven year old. The seven year old told me this morning he needs a cell phone. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. They they end up like finding these trigger words. I used to um I I don't have children of my own, but I've had children yes. throughout my entire life. Yeah, a part of my life. And I used to babysit. I started babysitting at 12 years old and They're, they're just, you're completely right. They're so pure at heart. And they're just, they come up with the the most fun things. And this was back, back a couple of years. So I was probably 18. And the five year old in, in the family that I was working with, he goes, I want an iPad for Christmas. And he wrote down like all these keywords. He didn't know yeah. what an iPad was. He didn't know, you know, um, what a laptop was or a flat screen TV. Like yeah. he couldn't really pick it out. But because he hears these target words, that's what he put on his wish list to Santa. Yeah. <laughs> so funny so when yeah you're I said son- yeah,
0: me too I want a phone also he's like you have a phone I said yeah but I want a better phone so when Aww. I get mine you can have yours
1: that was smart um, nice so way around it
0: the kids I think like and I've learned that communication is so essential um and when a child is unable to communicate god mm. you know I don't I don't know how I can't imagine being a parent who cannot freely communicate with my kids, you know, the way that we do. Mm -hmm. So how do you, as a professional, my goodness, how do you navigate that when you meet a child who's struggling with speech? And then I I would cry i i i i don't know that i could handle it um because i like to play with kids and i like to just talk and Mm -hmm. we have um my nephew he he's been coming over all week he's two you know Mm -hmm. and he's just starting to speak so i can't imagine not interacting Mm -hmm. with him because he's unable to speak so how do you manage and deal with all of that
1: Absolutely. That's a great question, especially because there are people who are most would consider nonverbal, where they might not have a lot of words or they communicate in other ways, but people are always communicating. We're designed to want to communicate. So we're actually born with the ability to understand language, but there has to be language input to occur. Now, 70%, and there's a number of research articles that say 70 plus percent of what we actually are communicating with is nonverbal, so we do communicate with our facial expressions and our gestures and our tone of voice and our energy and our and that component. So we're still communicating, and even little ones or even adults who might not be quote unquote completely verbal using all the words that they have, they are still communicating. And it's actually very interesting to find new ways to help them communicate so that they can express their wants and their needs and their thoughts which is really important. So sometimes we'll use devices. So um, communication devices, whether that might be a computer or some people will, will use pictures and, and find other ways to communicate. Even think of you know a little one who doesn't have a lot of words. When they take your hand and they're pulling you to come see what they want you to see, that's communication and that's a great thing. So to, to really have and, and to educate people and families that people are communicating, we need to look for the ways that they are communicating and what's the best fit for them. Because there are people who may not be verbal, but they're still communicating and how can we help that? So we do do a variety of approaches and it is very based on each individual's experience and how what are they showing us that they have the ability to do and how can we tailor our care to them? How can we tailor that communication? and personalize it for them because it can be frustrating, especially when somebody as as you and I, we're quite verbal, we're, we're quite chatty. Yeah. <laughs> and then if we're working with a child or, or our child does not have the verbal skills, we are looking at other channels to keep that connection because yeah. it's so important. Yeah. So what are some of these
0: approaches that you teach families to use with kids that are nonverbal or family members that are nonverbal?
1: Absolutely. That's a great question, especially. And the nice thing is with better speech, because we're online, they actually get to show us where they are in their life. They're in their most comfortable environment and they literally Mm -hmm. take the laptop around or they take the the tablet around the home and they'll show us this is our routine. Mm -hmm. How can we make it more functional? So sometimes a device is very appropriate. And when we talk about a device, we, we might be talking about a tablet that literally speaks for them. So Mm -hmm. we will help educate them and teach them how to use this device in their everyday life and how to make it extremely functional. When we're communicating with devices or in other ways, the most important thing is consistency. Mm -hmm. So not to use it one day and then leave it home the next day, but Mm -hmm. to really make it a part of their life and a part of their routine the more consistent they can be at it, the more effective and the more uh, the more greater ability we will give that individual to communicate in the ways that are best for them.
0: When a family comes to you, do you work with mm-hmm. the parents separately from the kids or do you work with everyone together?
1: That's a great question. We work with everyone together. So if right now in the state of Pennsylvania, they're still in, in masks and face shields and they still separate oh, really? people in the clinics. So in okay. an outpatient clinic, when you bring your child into, let's say you, you are receiving speech therapy services, you bring your child into the clinic and they're still separating people. So the parent of the guardian might not be able to be a part of that speech therapy session. And then when we're in a school system, the parent of the guardian definitely isn't a part of that speech therapy session. So with better speech and the fact that we are online, we get to have the entire family and it's mm-hmm. a whole family approach, which really makes a huge difference because that child is seeing I'm seen. I'm heard. I'm important. I matter. And these are people coming together collectively to help me. So whether it's parent or guardian that's present in the session, whether it's grandparent or, or babysitter, somebody else is there. And we get to explain to them what we're doing, but also why we're doing it and how to implement it in their everyday life. Because the great thing is, is that they receive speech therapy sessions, but that's only for 30 to 60 minutes a week, depending on what the recommendation is. It's important to help them understand that the quality of what we're doing and how to carry it over and how to make it functional, because it's great that we're one-on-one, but also we want to teach our parents and our guardians how to do what we do so that they can also take the, the ability and the skills and make it functional so that they're more consistent and that they can help their child more. Because truly, I think all parents and guardians want to help. They just yeah. don't know, they how know how to help,
0: yeah. yeah. So what can parents do um, from when a child is born to improve their potential for better speech?
1: That's a great question. What can they do when the child's born? When people come up to me and they tell me they're pregnant, I'm like, great, keep talking. And talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, because like I said, we're, we're born with the ability to understand language, but we need to have that language input. And especially when we are born in those early months, early years. So birth to to five, six, seven years old, we are absorbing so much information, way more than we can probably consciously express. And really that scientifically we can educate people on at this point. There's so much going on at a developmental cellular genetic level that of development that's really astronomically amazing and to keep talking. And so when I say keep talking, when you pick your little one up out of the crib, you tell them, I'm going to pick you up out of the crib and I'm going to lay you on the changing table and we're going to change your diaper and we're going to open and really explain to them and narrate all that you're doing. Because they come in as a blank slate. They don't know a wall. They don't know a ball. They don't have this information. It's up to us to explain this information to them, but to also keep repeating this information so that their information and their ability to understand the language can grow, just like a garden. We want it to flourish, and we want it to develop.
0: I followed all of those rules. So Mm -hmm. I have talked and talked and talked and Uh talked to my kids from the time I was pregnant. To the point now where, which is why I think that communication is one of the most important skills that you can give your child. My kids will mm-hmm. just talk and talk and talk. And um, there's a freedom that they have to come and tell me whatever they're feeling. You know, uh-huh. um, my husband and I, we've made it a point to tell them, you know, just say whatever you want. It's uh-huh. okay. Yeah, just Come talk to us about any and everything the worst that can happen is we're disappointed in whatever you say that's mm-hmm. literally the worst that can happen mm-hmm. so use your words use your language and just speak no matter what it is and sometimes I do regret <clears> those <throat> I do regret it because I of know, the
1: mouth not
0: oh like when I'm at work and they're home my phone rings <laughs> constantly they have to tell me everything that's going on
1: <laughs> Aww, <laughs> you know or funny. I'm gonna play by play
0: I'm they're like, I'm hungry. I'm like, yeah, I'm at work. Grandma's in the house. Why are you calling me? Oh my gosh. Because I have to tell you, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) I love that they have the ability to just speak. And then working in the industry that I work in, I do get to interact with other children who are more timid and who don't have the same ability. So it, it pains me to see children not have um all that they need
1: mm-hmm. to
0: be expressive and to be who they are. Because I do believe that once a child is six, seven years old, they are who they are. Mm-hmm. To be quite honest, there's very little. Hard-wired. That, yeah, they 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 really are. So I want to provide tools and skills and knowledge that will help them to be better parents for their children before age 10. So give us some tools that- That's such a beautiful mission. Yeah.
1: Um, When your little one is talking, I think one of the best things to do is to acknowledge what they're saying, but in a sincere way and to not shame them or guilt them or put them down. What are you stupid? That's not the best way to encourage that expression. Oh, so you think Martians eat green cheese on the moon. Okay. That's really interesting. And to just gently reinforce and echo what they say, but to also acknowledge what they say. A lot of the time kids are talking, but because they don't feel seen or heard, and we're just kind of nodding along and yeah. the phone might be in there in the hand, or you might be driving and you're not able to really give them that individual individualized attention or that undivided attention. To do the best that you can in that moment. Oh, okay. So you're telling me about the movie that you read. Okay, great. Tell me more about that. And to really encourage and support their expression and their communication, no matter what it is. And then in the, in the event that they're, you know, being a bit upset or angry and, and, you know, quite frustrated, which is completely normal. Normal. Yep. They are, it's very human, (laughs) human characteristics. So again, voice that understanding. Okay, so I understand that you're frustrated. And especially in those moments when you you both have a lot of energy. Now we're now we're parent guardian and child in a fight and it's an ugly fight. To to have the ability to take that pause, to take that moment and to pivot. I I love to call it a pause and pivot because when there's that much emotion, you're now getting into a screaming match. And who can who can top the other one? And when you can pause. Let that breath in, reset your system and say, okay, we're just gonna take a moment here, we're gonna come back to this and to really just separate and let that energy dissipate as much as possible because there's so much adrenaline, there's such a chemical hormonal balance when you're in fight, flight, freeze, and and all of that, that you can't think clearly. And then you have this after conversation of, well, I didn't mean to say that. And then you're still trying to battle it out. If you can pause. And pivot to something else and say, let's come back to it and allow quite literally your nervous system to calm down and to allow their nervous system to calm down. It would be a much better, more effective, more sincere way of communicating in that moment so that you don't get into those screaming matches and those disagreements.
0: My, like I said, my idea is that maximum age 10, you can you can um, provide some guidance to your kids, but at age 10, and I have one, they Mm -hmm. really are who they are. So as kids get older, so let's say you have a teenager who does not have the tools to Mm -hmm. communicate in a way that makes sense. How -hmm. do you manage
1: that? How do you navigate that? To to model it best as you can. So that way, because our our children are watching us time. And it's so funny when you see your three-year-old put their hand on their hip, just like you would put your hand on your hip and you're like, gosh, that's awfully creepy. (laughs) I didn't realize you picked up on that. And they just naturally model us. So in the event that, that there are things that are coming up, the best thing to do is to acknowledge it, but also say, let's work on this together. And to really take ownership of that own personal growth component and say, you know what, I'm going to try something new. Will you try this with me so that we can also both make each other stronger and make each other better by working through this and to talk about it and to talk about it openly without shame, without guilt, without you did this and and finger pointing and just to be open and honest in that vulnerability but also in in your family, because that's going to then strengthen your connection with each other. Yeah. And it's going to strengthen them as they grow up into other people, into other people, excuse me, into other relationships. And that's giving them so many gifts to honestly and openly say, I yeah, I don't, I, and, and I noticed this even in my own marriage. I didn't know how to have a disagreement with my husband. I knew how to scream. But I didn't know how to civilly have a conversation and yeah. get to the bottom of it. So it's something that we both acknowledged as, as yeah. something that you don't want to acknowledge, but at the same time you kind of do. But to say, okay, yep. we need to work on this because we we can't have this every single time. It's going, it's going to do more damage than it is going to do good. So let's work on this and yeah. approach it. And when you can approach it as, art of communication. This is, it's an ever growing and and evolving component. So what else can we learn? And to let that keep growing and nurturing that communication in all aspects of your life is going to be such a beautiful gift that we can give our children, but also that we can give the relationships that we have. Yeah.
0: What's the age range that you support with better speech?
1: So we actually see little ones as early as 18 months and, uh, and we also go all the way up to 90 plus, um, as long as they're able to have that, have somebody there that's able to help them navigate the computer so that they can pop into the zoom room effectively. As a speech pathologist, we see people right from the NICU. And when they're born, we see them to make sure that they're safely able to consume nutrition, that it's not going into okay. their lungs, that they're able to eat weight and that eating isn't a struggle. We see little ones um, for when they have oral motor weakness, let's say we have a two-year-old, but they don't have certain skills. So therefore they can't actually chew their food. So we do a lot of eating and nutrition with, with kids. We also do the speech component, which is the articulation, the voice, the fluency, We also see them for language development and language is actually two parts. So when it comes to following directions answering questions and being able to understand the information they're hearing, that's the receptive component of language. Everything I'm doing right now is the expressive component of language. We -hmm. also get into reasoning and problem solving. And with adults, we see individuals with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's or post COVID brain fog, whatever the case may be. So if there's actually any, I usually tell people as a speech pathologist, we work from the neck and up because oh, wow. we have so many different parts. And most people hear speech therapy. Oh, well, nothing's wrong with my speech. And I might right. be working with a patient that has dementia. And I'll say, okay, well, nothing's wrong with your speech, but h- tell me more about your memory. How's that going And like, oh, my memory is terrible. And they can tell you enough of that information that they have a bad memory. So we'll work on things like that. So our field is quite quite large, yeah,
0: I had no idea because I up until this moment, I was focused on speech.
1: Mm-hmm. If we were talking about feeding, yeah. typically when when babies are born at at their appropriate time and they've developed appropriately, Typically, that's they're in a good situation, and the nurses and, and physicians will ensure if if we need to, as the speech therapy team needs to come in when they go into the NICU. If there's concern for breathing, or if there's concern for quite literally development of the oral motor skill set, their tongue, their cheeks, their throat skills, you know, will come in to see how they're safely consuming nutrition. Mm. Are they able to quite literally suck, swallow, breathe, and not struggle eating? or are they having a reflux issue where their nutrition is quite literally backing up in that teeny tiny body and it yeah. can actually de- go into an infection in the lungs. So we see them for for that component. Go right ahead. So make a connection for me. Okay, so we see people for their their oral motor strength. So our oral motor Got it. Liver, We okay. had so this whole network, the tongue, Got the it. voice, the swallowing mechanism and that okay. way, that's how we, that's how we get involved.
0: <laughs> Got it. Okay. Cause I was like, wow, I was so focused on speech. And then we went to feed in and I'm like, how is that connected? Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense because if the motor isn't functioning properly, mm-hmm. it affects. Got mm-hmm. it. <laughs> how long have you been married?
1: I've been married almost, almost 13 years.
0: I've been married 12 <laughs> years. Well, me too. Almost 13 years, 13 years up. next year.
1: Yeah. Happy most anniversary.
0: You too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So you touched on, you know, learning to communicate better in relationships in general. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I wrote the book and started this podcast was because of my marriage. So Aww. my husband, literally the first weekend I spent with him in the UK, he, I was laying in bed. He had to go to work and I felt him tugging on the bed sheet. And I'm like, I'm trying to sleep. What are you doing? And he said, I'm making the bed. I was like, I'm in the bed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you not see me? He's like, yeah, I see you. I just, I have to make the bed before I go bed." <laughs> so after we got married, and I was like, I, I thought nothing of it. So after we mm-hmm. got married, we're living together. Mm-hmm. I just started noticing different things that I quite literally did not know as a child as a teenager as a young adult and I've lived by myself since I was 17 so things that I should have known so then I came up with you know what I wish my mother had taught me and in marriage one of that is communication actually in any relationship one of the most important things is communicating communicating and I want to say communication that wins you know because like the screaming does not help Mm -hmm. the not listening does not help um so I'm just curious, as a, an expert in speech and a speech pathologist, how did you navigate
1: that after you got married? Completely. And I I understand you when you're saying, you know, the screaming doesn't help and the not listening doesn't help. And it's very, you know, especially because we want to be heard, but then we also want to punish you at the same time for right. not listening to me. and want to turn away we want to be seen and heard too all of us at our core want to be seen heard and validated and it's really important that we do as humans support each other to the best of our ability we don't have to agree on everything but enough to say i respect your thoughts those are your thoughts these are my thoughts and we had um We had quite a number of disagreements because I didn't know how to fight. I knew how to fight with my sister and that was a screaming match. And, you you know, it's a sister and it's that, you know, especially when it comes to what we lovingly refer to as unconditional love, we almost have the ability to be as ugly as we want to be. And they have to accept it because this is unconditional love when it's like, well, Yes, it's unconditional, But at the same time, you're hurting me. And yeah. that makes me not feel good. And that also makes me want to hurt you for hurting me. And it's a right. defense, and it's a battle so to to acknowledge and say, okay, you know, we have and and it really is something that we build upon. It's not something that comes overnight. We've just learned from our past experiences. and I've learned from from watching other experts and and explaining, When you're having that moment of frustration, and when you feel those feelings of a fight coming on, and you're going into your mode, to watch your voice as much as you can, and to watch your breathing, keep your posture. So, shift your breath, shift your breathing, and shift your posture into a different position. Yeah. One that you can actually expand and you can breathe in, but to watch your tonality, the voice that you're choosing. Because the angrier I get, the more amplified my voice is going to get when I can control my voice and when I can slow it down, I can choose my words more carefully. And it, it, trust me, there are times where, you know, if we're in a disagreement and I'm getting really upset, I know for sure that I need to really implement the tools that I have or. I'm going to trip the system and go yeah. into this other space that I don't want to be in yeah. because we don't want to have that. We, we will have a fight and then have to clean up that fight at yeah. the same time. So it's easier to control it as much as we can in the moment and to learn from our past disagreements and to learn from my own past disagreements that I've had with other people to take that moment to, to pause, to pivot, to watch my breathing, to watch my posture and to choose my words wisely. It's a choice. And it's a choice that, especially in that moment that I'm choosing as much as possible, because I know how painful this other one was. So let me try something else.
0: How do you, I love that. See, now I'm calm. Your voice is so soothing. Okay. How do you translate that for a child? So how do you, exactly what you just explained to me, how Mm -hmm. do you teach that to a child or a teenager?
1: If your disagreement is with your your child and you guys are going back and forth and use it as, you know, almost you can pause and kind of step out of your body and say, okay, well, uh, how can I coach? This situation. How can I be a teacher? How can I be the narrator? Okay, well, this is what this person's saying. If you have that ability to do that at the time, but also to acknowledge and say, you know what, we're in a disagreement right now. That's okay. You know what? Let's look this. Let's look at this differently. How can we make sure that we hear and understand each other? You tell me what you want to say, and I'm, I'm going to make sure I hear you. And then I'm going to tell you what I want to say, and I want you to say it back to me, so that way we know we heard each other. Yeah. And when you're able to really acknowledge it and say, I want this for both of us. I want us to both be heard, not win. It's not a win situation. Yeah. And, you know, especially cause we'll walk away from the fight going like, Oh, well you won that one. It's like, well, it wasn't about winning. It was no just one about being heard. Exactly. No one wins. It was just about being heard. Now, when it's, when it's you and your, your significant other, depending on what the circumstances are. I really didn't see my parents fight a lot, but when I did, I, I didn't hear, you know, I heard the, I heard the stuff that I had learned, which was to, to really make sure that I was heard. So I got really, really loud, Yeah. but when they would have other disagreements, when we were in the car, they were able to have a disagreement in a different way. So yeah. that way we were obviously in a confined space. So you learn from that also when we're having disagreements, especially when our children are close by to let them be a part of it in the observation and say, oh, okay, well, yeah, me and daddy had a disagreement. That was okay. Well, we both were heard and he made good points and I made good points and, and yeah. that's okay. We're still married. We're still loving each other. We're still, yeah. you, know, you know, we're going to be here tomorrow. I'm going to still make his coffee and to let them know that the fight isn't the end of the world and yeah. that. People can grow from it. And that really, it's just a disagreement of thoughts and that it's okay, that nobody got hurt, that we still love each other, that we're still a family and to, to let them see the other side of it, that it's not "Ah, nobody moved or breathe or, or, you know, but to say, that's okay. This is a very normal thing. It's a very natural thing to have a disagreement when it gets into, you know, slamming doors and stuff that's we can point out like, Maybe that's not the best thing. What do you think I could do next time? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe maybe you can hug a pillow and and get your frustration out that way. You know, just looking for other alternatives, but that way you're yeah. you're acknowledging that there's a disagreement, that it's okay that there's a disagreement and that people will have disagreements. Yeah. But how we react how we respond in that moment is where the power is and where is the, where the learning is and the growth. I am. I love that because before you get married, a lot of people will tell
0: you don't argue, don't go to bed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or don't argue in front of the kids, try not to fight. And Mm -hmm. I do agree with that to a certain extent, like the door slamming and um, things that become violent. If it's Mm -hmm. to that level, you know, that's not good, but Mm -hmm. like, just simple disagreements I feel like it's okay to normalize that Mm -hmm. because that's just the world you know you will have disagreements and and the kids have to understand that mommy and daddy are not happy with Mm -hmm. each other every single second of the day but then we're still a family we're still together we can disagree Mm
1: -hmm.
0: argue our points and then make up Mm -hmm. and that's okay and you know and daddy can come and say I'm sorry Mm -hmm. for blah 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 and mommy can say I'm sorry for blah 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 and for a long time my husband and I we would just hold everything in until we were alone to say Mm -hmm. that I'm not built that way as you can tell I like to talk so (laughs) so and I'm very calm I argue in the most calm way (laughs) and I would just make my point And he'll make his point, but we've also then started and we do it in front of the kids. um, We've also started to apologize to each other in front Mm -hmm. of the kids so they can understand that, you know, when you've hurt someone, no matter who's right or who's wrong, it doesn't matter. You have Mm -hmm. to now acknowledge your part in it and say, I apologize, you know? Mm -hmm. And so a little bit of that, I'd like to normalize because people get so angry and they don't know how to manage it or work Mm -hmm. through it so i think where some parents or parents do um a disservice to their kids is making it seem like the world is one way when it's actually a different way i don't believe Mm in the door slamming and the yelling and the screaming and all of that that then is a whole other issue but Mm -hmm. where you're just having a disagreement
1: Mm -hmm.
0: go ahead and do it you know and like yesterday i came home and they wanted to go out for pizza I'm tired. I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And then my husband wanted to. I was like, I don't want to. He said, like, and then he continued. And then I was like, No, I'm good. And it was, it was a disagreement in front of the kids. And my mm-hmm. son was like, why, why can't we go? And I said, Because sometimes it's okay to, for me, to be tired and selfish and say I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I don't want to spend time with you, but I would love mm-hmm. to just sit on the couch. <laughs> Absolutely, hug you and spend time with you that way you Mm -hmm. know and I appreciate that daddy wants to go out to dinner I'm just not Mm -hmm. in the mood to interact Mm -hmm. with other people and we finished and right in front of the kids my husband then said okay I'm sorry that I got a little loud and I got a little in my feelings about what I wanted and I said and I'm Mm -hmm. sorry that I'm not able to you know give in to what y'all need today Mm -hmm. and then it was done then we sat down and we watched a movie and I I like that approach now that they're a little older when they were younger i don't we never fought in front of them because i Mm -hmm. there was no language to explain Mm -hmm. to them what was going Mm -hmm. on but now we can have all of that everyone understands and this morning i woke up everyone's great you know everything's fine um so parts of parenting advice i i kind of want to do away with like the no arguing in front of the kids the world argues you know and they have to learn how to argue to mm-hmm. win and especially in relationships because if you don't teach them the proper way to have a disagreement with <laughs> within relationships they will not know how to do mm-hmm. that you know Completely. at school my my daughter she's 10 but she's in 5th grade mm-hmm. and it's middle school at her school so they are really in a weird place where they're learning they're growing into who they are mm-hmm. they're arguing in different ways, they're fighting in different ways. And if I'm not modeling the right way to communicate your feelings, you mm-hmm. will go to school and decide on what it is. So mm-hmm. um so I want to kind of normalize having a disagreement and then mm-hmm. apologizing mm-hmm. and then moving on. You know, because that's what relationships are. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I think all of it is just the art of communication. And and I love the circumstances that you pointed out of knowing what age to have the disagreement in front of them, but to also know when they should be a part of it or that they shouldn't be. You pointed out amazing components. And even especially in that age that she's coming into, and, you know, especially from that development component, she's got a whole other system going on that's developing completely that we don't necessarily talk about. And, you know, I know what people used to be like, oh, it must be your time of the month. And I was like, okay, so what? Like, I'm still human. Yeah. It's a very normal thing. It's very normal. And I want to
0: normalize that also the time Mm -hmm. of the month, because the hiding of it and, the inability to express Mm -hmm. whatever I'm feeling Mm -hmm. within those months, two weeks, one week, seven Mm -hmm. days completely
1: stifling. It it really is, especially when you you learn about it. I don't know if any of your listeners have learned about it, but when you hear about the different phases and why you're feeling one way to another from day one to 14, but then 14, 15, 16, you feel different. And then 17, 18, 19, you feel totally different. It wasn't quite explained to me. And I think it's so much more beautiful to understand it the way that I do now, but also to have that relationship of communication with myself that says, okay, this is where I am. This is what I need to, I need to, I, I know I'm coming to this point and I need to be careful because I'm yep. going to be a little more teary eyed this week yep. and that's completely normal. But I know myself enough now to yep. have that be a very normal thing and to communicate with myself and to yep. ensure that I communicate with those around me out of respect and not out of, you know, oh, well, you don't know how it feels. No, it's okay. no, they don't. <laughs> no big deal. You're going to be fine. They're going to be yeah. fine. But to really open that line of communication, especially in that age that she's at, because they're coming into a completely new world, and then they yeah. come into this new world with a ton of other people that are in this new world. Yes, and Oof. it's just—it's a lot. It really it's a lot. is a lot. But to yeah. also be respectful and and to show her that you can do it with grace and dignity, and it yes. doesn't have to be chaotic, and that you can find ways to communicate with yourself and with others. And do that in such a beautiful way, I think is something that's really, really special that you guys are going to have.
0: I hope so. Well, we do now. And I just hope it continues, you know, just listening to us talk and thinking about the Real Housewives. So I'm um, a Real Housewives fan, but now I don't watch all of them anymore. I only watch two. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: just thinking, just listening to you, I'm like, they need... lessons (laughs) (laughs) lessons
1: <laughs> <laughs> they, there is an art of entertainment in that in that yeah, tv show completely yeah um yeah and um but to also use it as learning and yes. say you know what okay that's a really awesome example of x y and z what not to do we exactly How not to like fight. here's another way that somebody <laughs> this is a great way that they're expressing it what yeah. do you think about it yeah. what, if you were in that situation how would you handle it? What would yeah. you want to, to do? And to give those examples, that's so great to, to keep that engagement of communication, especially because with some, some teenagers, they don't have the amazing verbal skills that your kids uh, that your kids have, yeah. and we will say, you know, oh, what did you do this weekend? I don't know. Yep. Okay. Well, what did you watch? Uh, stuff on TikTok. Like what? And they can't literally tell yep. you, and that's a really big problem. So to encourage that open communication, or here's an example, what do you think of this? What would yeah. you do? Yeah. It's such a great game to play. And it just reinforces yeah. the art of communication.
0: When they were really literal, like two, um, I, when I picked them up from daycare or school, I always say, how was your day? Good. And then I learned to ask what was good about it. So good. Uh, and great follow-up Oh my God, that yeah. has been like life-changing for us or bad. What was yeah. bad about it? you know? So I just, I've just learned so much that I'm hoping they will grow with and learn Mm -hmm. from just a few more questions. Um, what did you have to learn on your own that you wish someone had taught you?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, what did I have to learn on my own? I would definitely say the, the art of a disagreement, Mm -hmm. um, that, that the, what I had learned wasn't enough to sustain me and to make sure that I wasn't getting walked on but also that I was being respectful of other people and listening to what they had wanted. Yeah. What is your favorite um childhood memory? Oh, oh, that's such a great one. Favorite childhood memory. Oh my god, I have a ton. Oh, that's so good. Oh gosh. Um I would say Saturdays in my house. They were just so much fun. They were my, both my parents were home. My mom worked the night shift and my dad worked during the day. So my parents were flip flop and they wouldn't necessarily be home at the same time, but typically on a Saturday or or more Saturdays than not. My mom was home. My dad was home. My sister was home. We would all just have you were all together. together. Oh,
0: that's so good. Okay. Um, do you have
1: any questions for me? Um, what was your biggest thing that you had to learn that you wish you knew oh so much um you know no one has ever asked (laughs) me that
0: question um what is god there are so many I think that I am enough in the Mm, moment you are in this moment whatever I am in this moment I'm enough
1: you are enough. that's
0: what I wish so like um new year's is come in and people are like this is my new year's resolution this is what i want to do i want to lose weight i want to do this and blah, 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 blah. but in the midst of all of that this moment today i'm enough i wish someone had told me that enjoy it don't worry about the rest of it work on the rest of it mm-hmm. but just be enough right where you are
1: you are enough I yeah that, nikki yeah. what was your
0: favorite childhood memory oh that's easy Mm-hmm. I grew up with my grandma grandparents my mom and mm-hmm. dad had gone about doing their own thing um, mm-hmm. for a while and I grew up with my grandparents and it was just having my grandmother
1: mm-hmm. um I'll tell
0: you really quick oh God, so many stories about my grandmother I'll tell
1: one is this the one that was there during Christmas n- no she passed okay. away a couple oh years I'm ago. sorry the one
0: that's here is my husband's mom okay I as a little kid, I was sick a lot. So Mm -hmm. I would spend three weeks in the hospital and then one week at home in Nigeria. And my mom lived in the U S and we lived in Nigeria and my grandmother like sold her business just to take care of me. Wow. And I remember one day she had, she would go home on Sundays to cook for her husband and make sure the house was okay. Mm. And I, it was getting late and she wasn't back to the hospital and they were like, you have to take your meds. I'm not doing nothing until Mm. I see granny. And I was standing by the window and I just see her bags in hand walking Mm. towards the hospital and it was getting dark. That is just a picture of her is Uh like my favorite memories, you know? So yeah, that's one of my favorite memories. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) I love that. That's incredible. All right. Do you have any more questions for me? Um, no, i oh, oh gosh, you and I could stay here for hours. I you can, we could. So, I'm just gonna wrap it up. Um, okay. so I like to just end by acknowledging my guests. I, I am so grateful. I feel like if we were in New Jersey together, we would be friends. Um, Aww, I love that. that <laughs> I just so love good. your spirit. I love that your, your voice is so common, and I just want to acknowledge the work that you do. Honestly, I think that communication is the most important gift that any human being can have. And then you have the gift of giving people the skill to communicate better. And that's so good. So I want to acknowledge you and acknowledge the work that you do. And I just acknowledge your spirit. You Mm -hmm. know, this has been so good and so wonderful.
1: It has been so good. I acknowledge you and the amazing things that you're doing. Look at what you're doing with your platform. And to be able to share this incredible gift with the world, the gifts that you have. Oh my goodness. And your book stunning absolutely gorgeous thank you <laughs> I love it thank you yeah my
0: next goal is to take all of these tools and knowledge that I'm gaining and create an actual book that can support parents um, I love that as they raise their kids well thank you Lenora this has thank been you. so amazing I loved it so much um, I'm hoping that you can come back to the podcast
1: I would love that thank you so much for having me
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of What I Wish My Mother Taught Me. I learned so much from each guest, and I hope that you've gained some impactful information today. Please review and subscribe to the podcast. Remember that you matter and all that you do impacts someone. Until next week, have a great week.